Good morning, guys. You can have a seat. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here, teaching pastors. And so uh, if you're a guest, let me just welcome you. Uh, how many are, have a little uh, football hangover? Anybody in the house watch a little college football? Yes, we got a few men that are giving the pump here. Thank you. Uh, it was a good day if you were an A&M Aggie, and it was a, I knew that was coming. It was a rough day if you were a Longhorn. Sorry. Yeah, ouch, that hurt. I can say that because we haven't played yet. I'm a Buckeye, and so we play Monday, so get ready. Get the popcorn out to watch a show on Monday night. It's going to be fun. I love it. I love it. Well, today uh, we are going to continue a series. It's actually the last sermon in the relationship series. Have you guys been blessed by the relationship series? Uh, I know I personally have been challenged uh, been encouraged, uh, been convicted in some ways of how I carry relationships. Remember, the relationship series is, is that we can't dictate everything about relationships, that we can't control the circumstances. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but what we are called to do in the scriptures is we are called to navigate those relationships, the ups and the downs. And so we've looked at all kinds of relationships, and today we're going to wrap up by looking at parenting. And, uh, and that's a tough one to preach on when you have three kids. And the oldest is nine, and I guarantee that there's some parents in here that could preach this way better from experience. But I'm going to give it a go today. We're going to look at the Word of God, and we're going to be challenged. But before uh, you young guys, singles, those that don't have kids, uh, check out, just hang with me, because I think today's message is perfect application to you. Because although you may not have a kid now, or you may never have kids, that doesn't excuse you from parenting. Uh, Apostle Paul, right? He was never married, at least from the text that we don't see anywhere that he had kids. But, but the text tells us throughout that, that he considered those that he brought up in the faith as his children. He, he looked at Tom, uh, Timothy and he considered uh, himself a father to Timothy, a spiritual father and mother. And so if church, we're going to take the reality of Jesus's great commission, which is to go into the world and make disciples. That, that's not my job as a pastor. That's every single person that confesses Jesus, right, in this room. If we go and make disciples, then the natural byproduct of that is that we are going to be spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith. And so this is applicable to every single person here because I think when you really boil down what is parenting, it's this very specific type of discipleship. And so if you don't have kids, hang with me. Uh, it's going to be applicable today. I'm going to have you turn to two passages today. Uh, first, we're going to look at Proverbs 22.6. Uh, if you have an actual Bible instead of a phone uh, and you have this little tail thing hanging out, put that in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to get there in a few minutes. But let's start out in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. A well-known verse on parenting. We're going to dig in a little bit here and see what the Lord wants to speak today. So chapter 22 of Proverbs, Solomon writing to his son some wisdom. In verse 6 it says this, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you have heard this verse before, right? Uh, many of us, okay? Uh, let me just apologize on behalf of uh, uh, many churches that have taken this verse and brought a lot of shame to parents. Let me just apologize, okay? Because I, I've heard this uh, said in, in this way. Listen, uh, if, if you have a kid 
and maybe they're in the youth group and you've got a bunch of people uh, watching the kids and maybe Johnny is, is not the best kid and maybe when he comes, like everything gets destroyed and he's really messing up relationships and he's messing with the teacher. And, and what does the, the people, the other parents say? They said, man, Johnny is really messed up. I wonder what his parents did wrong, right? And we've, we've done that. And, and there's a chance that they have done, but, but some of us in the room, you, to the best of your ability, you've honored God with your life. You've poured into your kids, and today maybe they're out of the house, and maybe they have chosen a path other than the path you would want them for. Maybe they're walking in a lifestyle that you know that is detrimental to them. Maybe they have turned their back on the church or or faith in general. And this verse can be used to beat you up because if your kids are walking wayward, you would say, well, you must have messed up. You didn't raise your child right. And I think that's a really, really poor, poor use of this verse. There's, there's several reasons why, but I just want to look at one today. Now, remember the context of this verse. It's in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of much wisdom, but everything in Proverbs is not a guarantee or a promise. If you've got your Bible, look at verse 4 in chapter 22. It says, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Is that a promise that happens every time? No? Yes? L- listen, I- I've walked in honor. I-, I know people that have walked in honor walked in humility, feared God, and they're definitely not on the 40 under 40 list. They don't have riches. Some of them don't have a lot of honor. Some of them don't have life. So, so what we see in verse four is, is Proverbs is kind of a rule of thumb, a general reality of wisdom, but it's not always a guarantee, okay? So when we look at this passage, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. What we see here, this is a general rule. If you want your child to walk with God, then you should train up your child. But it's not a guarantee. It's not a promise. And so I just want to speak some grace into some parents here that have some kids that are walking a path that you didn't raise them on. And I want to encourage you to continue to pray, continue to partner with the Holy Spirit and and loving your children to give grace to your children because God is pursuing your child or not. But listen, there's no guarantee that they're going to come back to the Lord. That, that's, that would be a false claim that we know is not true by experience, but also from the word of God. There's people that are going to walk away. And so I want to encourage you to continue to press on. But this verse is, is not meant to be a promise. It, it is a really good rule of thumb. We're going to look at it today. But I wanted to clarify and give some grace there to some people that have tried their best to raise their children. And for some reason, they have chosen another path. And so I have, I have three questions that I want to look at today. Man, parenting is so wide, so big to, to, to put that into 30 minutes uh, would be ridiculous. So I thought we'd just talk about spanking and we'd talk about homeschooling. Totally joking. Totally joking. <laughs> I had you guys. You guys were like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get out of here. No, we're not going to look at that. We're not going to look in the weeds at all. We're going to stay really high level because I think the scriptures. Uh, that give us uh, some general rules of thumb that there's some high level things, but the application of a lot of truths really depends on what you are going through in your specific case and what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And, and that's why when I preach, I, I try really hard not to just give you little spoonfuls. Like I want you to know some general truths, but then I want you to go to God and partner with him to do the things that he's calling to in the scriptures. And so that's why I really try to give enough room for you to say, God, now what does this mean to me? Instead of Derek just telling you and dictating and giving you a long list of things to do. And so there's three questions. The first question that I have is, is why am I parenting? Why am I parenting? And, and, and the word that I have associated with that is, is vision. 
Vision. What is your vision for your children? Now, my previous life in a career, you know, I was a trained engineer, went into people and process leadership in a big chemical company. Uh, one of the things that they always taught us was begin with the end in mind. Anybody read Steve, Stephen Covey? Like, that's one of his big things. This is begin with the end in mind. So if I've got a, a project, if I've got a, an initiative that I want to hit before the end of the year, I, I know what my project is. What, what, is a, what am I trying to achieve with this project? That's beginning with the end in mind. And then I go and I work backwards to figure out how am I going to achieve that goal. You've heard it said that if you have no destination, then you're never going to get there. (laughs) That's so true. As parents, we've got to begin with the end in mind. And that just isn't some corporate slang as sometimes we chuckle at the flavor of the month. What's the company going to say today? But that's strictly from the scriptures. That's why it's so profound. You see, the Father in heaven, when he sent Jesus to this earth, wasn't just sending him and saying, I I don't know what the ending's going to be. I don't know what the vision is for Jesus. I'm just going to kind of roll the dice and see how things land. No, the Father, our perfect example of what it looks like to be a parent, he sent his son Jesus with the end game of redeeming a people that were lost back into relationship with God. And so when he had this vision of what Jesus was going to do, the end game— All the things in between, when things got hard, when things twisted and turned, he could still stay true to the vision. We've got to have a vision. And that's why Proverbs, I believe, uh, let's see, chapter 29, 18, you don't have to turn there, but this is what it says. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Maybe, Maybe your verse says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You see, in this verse, it says that where there is no vision, now this is speaking of a a vision from God, a a revelation from God, they cast off restraint. And what that means is there's chaos. Where there's no vision, there is chaos. And, And this truth is not just for Proverbs. It's true for our parenting today. If you don't have a vision for your children, you won't have a plan for your parenting. Without a plan for your parenting, Chaos and frustration will reign in your home. Listen, a vision is not a silver bullet. I totally get that. And that's why companies sometimes come up with different visions and trying to stimulate. I, I get that. But, but I do know through the scriptures and through my own experience, if I don't have a vision, an end game of where I am going, when things get tough, I'm going to usually choose the road that's easiest for Derek. And as parents, we, we do that all the time. We check down to the little running back out in the backfield when it's third and 10 and we get two yards, right? That, that's what we do as parents. But if I have a vision to say my, the end game of me being a parent, the vision I have for my child when they leave my home is, is, is X. And so when I get up into a situation where I'm not sure what to do, I've got to go back to say, what is the vision? What is the purpose of my parenting? And then that can help me navigate what am I supposed to do as a parent. And so if you're a parent today, I ask you the question, what is the vision that you have for your child? And it could be many, many good things, many, many great things, actually. Uh, I was sitting uh, at bedtime with my two oldest, uh, my nine-year-old boy and my six-year-old little girl. And I was reading to them Proverbs chapter 22, 6. I always kind of go over my sermon a little bit with them just to get some amazing insight usually. Um, and and she did, my daughter did not fail me this time. I said, baby, uh, what do you think a mommy and daddy would want for their kids when they get old enough to move away? 
So really I'm asking, what's daddy hope for you when this is all said and done? And she kind of did this little pirouette as she does as a ballerina, put her hand in her, in her mouth and then combed her hair back. And then she said, daddy, I, I think the hope is that, that we would be kind, we would be nice. And then she hesitated. And then she said that we would love God and we would love others. And man, that was a dad win right there. Man, I was never more proud. Well, actually, I have been, but I was so proud in that moment of my little girl. And I said, man, she's, she's got it. Like as a father, as a, as a person that is following Jesus, like there are a lot of peripheral things that we can have our vision for our children. But as a believer, if our vision is not for them to walk with God, if our vision is not for them to know God personally, to receive his love, to love him, and then to love others, then we have missed the boat on what it looks like to make disciples out of our children. We've missed the boat if that's the case. And so my hope is for Kate and I, the thing that we talk about most is that we want our kids to be healthy. Now, she really doesn't like sickness, so that kind of helps her a little bit, that she kind of appeases herself a little bit. But, but not just uh, healthy in general. We want them to be healthy spiritually, to know God themselves, not just because daddy and mommy do, but we also want them to have health in their relationships we want them to have health in their mind, and so we really teach them to, to think on your own. Don't just say something because daddy wants to. Like, here's, here's an issue. Why don't you uh, form your own opinion and come back and tell me? Don't just do something because I want you to do it. And, and health is even like mine or a body. I mean, we're really purposed as best we can on feeding our kids right, training them up to say, hey, this is enough for you to eat. You don't have to eat too much when you're full, you're full. Like we incorporate this big vision to say we want healthy kids across the board. That's what we do as a family. And that doesn't have to be yours, but that's what we do. And we've chosen to to make that our vision for our kids. And so if you're a parent, I want to challenge you tonight, whether you're a single parent or whether you have a spouse in the home to sit down and say, man, what is the vision for our kids? What's the end game when our kids move away? Because here's a reminder, and, and our, the generations coming up, I have sometimes forgot about this, that part of the vision is for your kids to leave the home. It's, it's raise and release, not raise and coddle. And so this, this verse here that, that in Proverbs 22, it says, raise up a child in the way that he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart. What it's, it's insinuated is that your kids are gonna leave your home. And so are, are we raising our kids in a way that's going to make them de- independent, not dependent? And so part of the ways we got to look at this is when I'm raising my kids, am I raising them to know God, to love him, to love others? And am I also raising them in a way that's going to allow them to leave my home and make good decisions apart from me? Now, you're not responsible once they get to the home, the decisions. Kids are going to make decisions. I get that. But you are responsible for being a parent when they're under your home. And so that's the first question we've got is, why am I a parent? And I think the big reason that we've got to have is a vision. Everyone has to have a vision. Why am I parenting? The second question is this, what does a parent do? And the teenagers in the room say, yeah, what does parents do? And the parents in the room say, what doesn't a parent do? What does a parent do? And I think really straightforward that verse in 22, verse six, it says, train up a child. And so if I had to sum up one word for what do I do as a parent? I train, I train. Now, now I love this word because it has a close association with athletics. Uh, And you guys know, we go back and forth. Like I played football in college at the Ohio State University. 
And when I was at the Ohio State University, we trained really hard. All season long, we would train. We would train in the winter, early 6 a.m. practices. We'd train in the spring. We'd train in the fall. Every day we were doing food. We were eating the right things. We were getting protein. We were working out. We were conditioning ourselves. And we were training to be national champions. Now, we didn't always win national champions, but every year we trained in a way to be national champions. Now, UT, I think they trained just to go 500. And TCU and Baylor, they just train to, to share for a title and sit at home and watch the playoffs. Mm. Mm. I knew I'd wake you guys up a little bit today. We train to be champions. And, and, and I don't know that's college and that's a long time ago for me, but listen, many of us in this room, we're still training, right? Whether you're in school, you're training to get your MBA, you're training to get your doctorate, you're training to do something else. Maybe I know we have a lot of CrossFitters in the room here. CrossFitters, like you are training to do something, right? Yeah, we got little Carter down here raising her hand. Her daddy and mommy know what it looks like to work out and to train. Like we are all training for something. And if I want to lose 15 pounds, if I'm training to lose 15 pounds, I'm not going to go to the guy sitting on the couch weighing 350 pounds with 30% body fat and say, hey, would you help me lose 15 pounds? It's not going to happen. If I want to run a marathon... I don't know why you'd want to run a marathon, but if you wanted to run a marathon, God bless you. But if if you wanted to run a marathon, you're not going to go to the casual lap swimmer at your local pool and say, hey, would you help me run a marathon, even though he's gassed after 50 meters in the pool? Because when we're looking for a trainer, when we have the ability to choose a trainer, we're going to look for somebody who has done it and is living it. Because trainers have great responsibility and great authority. They can only give what they have or what they have experienced. And listen, if you're a parent in this room, you are a trainer. You parents can only give your kids what you already have or what you have experienced in the past. You are trainers. You have great authority. You have great responsibility. What are you going to do with it? Now look up to, to Deuteronomy, flip over to Deuteronomy. We're going to sit in this, I think, the rest of the, the message here. And so we're looking at what does it mean to be a parent? What do I do as a parent? And, and I said that really the word is train. And the word that I would associate with that is responsibility. So as parents, I've got to take responsibility for how I train my children. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, 5, and 6. This is right after Moses was given the Ten Commandments, and, and here, here he is speaking on behalf of God. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now he's speaking to the parents, of the older generation. He's not speaking to the kids here. So that's an interesting point. So it says, You shall love the, your Lord, the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, what we see is is this call to the parents to take ownership of their own faith before they go and teach their kids their faith. So if you're a parent in the room, I just want to speak a word into you is you've got to take responsibility for training your kids. The prerequisite for parents or for godly parenting is that I'm going to live it out before I teach it to my kids. And that's really hard, really, really hard. It's 
So parents, listen, what you do matters. How you treat your spouse, it matters. How you prioritize your life, it matters. You are giving your child a blueprint for what it looks like to be an adult that follows Jesus. I just want you to feel the weight of that for a moment. You're giving your kids a blueprint of what it looks like for an adult to follow Jesus. And so what you watch on TV, what you say, how you eat, how you treat others, how you spend your money, if or how or if you even spend time with God, these will profoundly impact your kids. Now, this is not a call for you to live perfectly. God knows I need grace every single day in my parenting. But it's a call for you to take responsibility for yourself first before you go and dictate to your kids what they are supposed to do and how they are to do it. I found a quote here from Woodrow Wilson. He was one of the presidents. Before he was the president of the United States, he was actually a president of Princeton University. And uh, this is what it says. Uh, He spoke these words to a parents group. This is Woodrow. It's amazing. I get many letters from you parents about your children. You want to know why we people up here in Princeton can't make more out of them and do more for them. Let me tell you the reason we can't. It may shock you just a little, but I am not trying to be rude. The reason that they are, the reason is that they are your sons, reared in your homes, blood of your blood, bone of your bone. They have absorbed the ideals of your homes. You have formed and fashioned them. They are your sons. In those malleable, moldable years of their lives, you have forever left your imprint upon them. Listen, if you're a parent in this room, you've got to take ownership and responsibility for how you're living your life. Once again, this is not a call to be perfect by no means whatsoever, but are you living a life worth your children imitating? Are you living a life worth your children imitating? And listen, if you're struggling with sin right now, or you've been making some really, really bad choices, I'm going I'm to tell you, the best thing that you can do for your kids is to get help. Whatever that issue is, go to a community group leader, come to the church, ask one of the people that are up here, find a counselor, whatever that is, go and get some help. It's the best thing that you can do for your kids because this is why you need to take responsibility for your sin. Don't be cowardly and pass on the sin pattern to your kids without a fight. Because sometimes we we let things in our homes, purposely allow them, or maybe we choose to watch things on TV or listen to certain music or talk a certain way, and we are actually bringing in sin, the same sin that put Jesus on the cross. We're allowing this, and we're allowing our minds to get captivated by what's on TV because culture says that's what we're supposed to watch, and yet it's it's full of sin. The, The same stuff that Jesus died for, we are allowing into our homes all different ways. And I'm not trying to be prude, but at the same time, we're called to live righteously and we got to make good decisions because sometimes we go to God and say, God, protect my kids from these evil things. Yet as parents, we're letting those things in the back door of our homes. We've got to take responsibility first for who I am, my own faith before I go and try to lead my kids. The third question is actually a twofold and it is why and how does a parent train? Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9. You shall teach your 
Uh, you shall teach them diligently to your children. He's talking about that you should love the Lord your God and the laws of God. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so the question is, when do I train my children? The answer is, if you are awake and if you're breathing. Every opportunity you have with your kids is an opportunity to train them. Listen, your kids are like sponges. They are watching what you're doing. They are watching what you're saying. If you are in the proximity of your kids, listen, they have this amazing, amazing radar where they can pick up on what you're saying and what you're doing, and they internalize that, and it begins to form. What does it look like for me to walk with God? What does it look like for me to be a Christian? We are to train our children at all times and all situations. Ordinary life is the best teacher for God's ways. In doing so, we teach our kids not to be, silo their relationship with God into a quiet time. In doing so, we invite God into all the areas of life, and we don't just silo him into church on Sunday mornings. Life with God is meant to be just that, doing life, normal, mundane, ordinary life with God. And so when do I train my kids? Man, there's no stop, is there, parents? 24-7, you're on. Take the opportunities, be aware, train up your children at every opportunity. We see this in scripture. So then the last question is, is how do we train? How do we train our kids? Now in that conversation with my two oldest ones, uh, where Justin said, man, to be nice, to be kind, to love God and to love others. Then I said, well, well, how would a daddy get their parents to, to get to that point? And I said, uh, what, what would a daddy have to do? And she said two things that I think are profound. She said, well, first of all, a daddy should teach their kids, but then a daddy should also show their kids. And I said, baby, come here. I want to kiss you. Because, because that is so simple, yet it's so profound. And it's exactly what we see in the scriptures. Verse 7 here says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, you should teach with your words. So the first thing, we have to share our teaching, share our learnings. But then we skip over to verse 20. It says, when your sons ask you in times to come, what is meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God is commanding you? Then you shall say to them, your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And so the two things we've got to do if we're going to teach our children, train our children, we've got to first share our teachings, share our words, but then we also have to share our life. Share our teaching and share our life. So the first one is share teaching. Share teaching. This is what Paul says. You don't have to turn there. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up or train them up in the disciple or discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Discipline, instruction, and encouragement, I think, are the three components of training up with teaching. So the first one, discipline. That is adding consequences or removing privileges. It's really simple math. It's addition or subtraction, and we are called to do that as parents. Not out of anger, which I have to fight against, but out of true love and care that I want, the vision that I have for my kids. That's what I have to do, the discipline. This word discipline, it really means the full training. It includes the mind, the morals, 
the body, all that. It's the fullness of discipling. And, and you know if you've ever trained for anything, it requires great discipline. If you're going to train for a math test or you're going to be a doctor at some point, you've got to discipline yourself. You've got to say no to a lot of social things, a lot of other things, and you've got to say yes to, to some things that, that aren't necessarily what you want to do. I, I'll say yes to the library time, yes to the study group, right? It takes discipline to achieve things, and a parent has to decide, to agree with this, that it takes discipline to bring about the vision that you have for your children. You can't parent without discipline. The second thing, instruction that we see Paul said, the instruction that he says is to really warn or to call attention to so if you're working out, if you're a CrossFit guy and you have a trainer, listen, if you're doing a, a lift, they're going to instruct you because if they see you doing it wrong, they know it's going to be bad for you. So they come alongside you and they say, hey, listen, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a herniated disc. If you don't eat carbs, you're going to crash at the mid, middle week. And so trainers, they, they call attention to and they warn about possible consequences. And, and we have to do this for our kids because I was... As I was studying, uh, the, the frontal lobe of the brain is where we really make decisions. And, and it's interesting that the frontal lobe doesn't fully, fully develop until a kid's about 25 years old. And you say, well, that's why my teenager makes such idiot decisions. It's, it's true. Kids are not capable of making really wise decisions consistently until that frontal lobe is completely formed. And so as parents, we must come alongside of our kids and we must say, hey, hey, watch out. If, if you do this thing... This is going to be the consequence. Hey, hey, there's a warning. If you hang out with this person, this is potentially what's going to happen. So as parents, we must discipline. We must instruct. And then the third thing, real briefly, is to encourage. We must speak specifically, timely. We must look for the gold in our kids. And I would venture to say that we need to encourage our kids more than the other two. It should vastly outweigh that that we should be parents that encourage our kids. And I know it's sometimes hard. I get that. But I guarantee there's some things that are in your kid's life that they are doing, that they are thinking, that they are wanting to do, that you can encourage them by. And so it's these three things. Discipline, instruction, and courage. Now, if you notice, like a true Baptist here, it says die. That wasn't an accident. Because as a parent, I learned very quickly, and I'm still learning today, that if I'm going to be a parent that's going to love my kids and bring them up, then I'm going to have to die to myself. My mentor in Ohio, he always had this analogy of this onion peel, or onion. And he said, the onion is really your prideful, your sinfulness. It's, it's all wrapped in one. And so he said, you know, when you get married, the layers start coming off really quickly. When you get married, you start living with somebody. You start seeing, man, I am a really selfish person. I, I always thinking about myself. And so marriage, it begins to peel back the onion layer by layer. And in doing so, we become more like Christ. Less about us, more about somebody else. And then kids come along and you kind of pick up the pace on, on pulling out the onions because the, the peels start flying off because you realize that, man, they got to get up in the middle of the night and, and get some food. That, that I'm going to have to go and I'm going to take them places that I'm going to be their designated driver for the next 16 years that having a kid requires us to die to ourselves in order to love, to word, teach, in order to train our kids. And this is a good thing because it makes us more like Christ. Parenting is sanctification, if you've ever asked for it. So the last thing I want to say here about training is that we're to share our life with our kids. 
We see here in this passage that he talks about teach them, but then he goes in and he begins to tell them about their own experiences. As parents, if we want to train up our kids, we, yes, we teach them like the words and the truth of the scriptures and what it looks like to, to be a great adult. But at the same time, I think it's maybe more important that instead of just doing intellectual or just doing Bible studies and devotions, that we share our life with our kids, our ups and our downs, where we fail and where we have successes. We need to invite our kids to share life with us. See, I don't want my kids to leave my home with only a hypothetical faith. I want my kids to know without a shadow of a doubt that it is possible to walk with God, to know him, to hear him, to obey him in the good seasons of life and in the rough seasons of life. If kids only have intellectual knowledge and hypothetical faith, they'll be more apt to fall away from the faith when they are given the opportunity. I just speak real candidly. Uh, you know, as a pastor, somebody stands up here sometimes uh, because I've been where you're sitting. Uh, sometimes we just think, man, everything is together and they are probably just a saint. And that's just not the case for anybody who stands up here. We are all sinners. Um, last night, uh, we were as a family and my wife was with our kids. And uh, I did something that it was really embarrassing to me. But in a moment of frustration, I, I really undermined my wife's authority. Like blatant. It was ridiculous. And so as a parent, right, we never want to do that in front of our kids. But unfortunately, this was in front of our kids. And so I I never want to do that. And so I'm not saying go do that. But when it happens, which it probably will happen sometimes, that the sinfulness in us comes out. Like I've got an issue today. Am I going to go back and and talk about and, and allow my kids to learn from this? Or am I just going to be prideful and just say, hey, they'll probably forget about it. I don't really need to address it. But, but as a dad who my vision is, I want my kids to know what real faith looks like. I want them to choose to follow Jesus. That today I've got the hard task of going to my two oldest kids and sitting them down at the table and saying, hey, guys, remember yesterday when daddy said this and mommy had said this right in her face? Daddy was wrong. Daddy was wrong. And listen, this is what our kids need more than they need the next Bible study before they need to know Daniel and the lion's den, they need to know what faith looks like really worked out. And so today, by God's grace, I'm gonna do something I really don't wanna do, <laughs> try to humble myself, die to myself. And I'm gonna go, hey guys, listen, daddy did this and this was wrong. Will you forgive me? And I pray that the grace of God would teach them in that moment what it looks like to ask for forgiveness and what it looks like for my wife to forgive me in their presence. Because if I want to teach and train my kids, I've got to not only speak the words, but my actions need to align with the words that I teach. So that's my encouragement to you parents today. First off, what is the vision you have for your kids? Second of all, are you taking responsibility for your own personal life before you dictate to your kids how to live theirs? And the third thing, are you sharing your teaching and are sharing your life? with them. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much uh, for loving us. I thank you so much that you've given us Jesus as our perfect example of what it looks like to raise up others spiritually in our own homes with kids. Lord, I pray that you would empower me by your spirit, that I would be a, a daddy who is so dependent upon you that when I mess up, Lord, that I'm quick to tell and confess and to live it out in front of my kids. Lord, let us be honest parents, not just perfect parents. 
Help us to take responsibility, to trust you to transform our kids. In your name, Jesus, amen.